You unlock this benefit with the key of Patreon. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of thought. A dimension of speculation. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both waffle and substance. Of things and ideas. You've just crossed into the podcast zone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Trekking Through the Twilight Zone. And we are going to be doing a double header. So this one's probably going to go a little long. And we are going to be going to uh, Maple Street. The Maple, uh, the monsters are on Maple Street. Now, this is uh, an episode about uh, a small group living on, on a street and was then remade in in 2002, I think you were saying. Uh, 2003. 2003, yeah. Uh, and sort of represents... The third Twilight Zone series. Yes. And was... Um, it represents sort of like a, I don't know what they call it, like a neighbourhood, a community care group or something, sort of a similar thing. But basically the power goes out and this group in both the sort of the 60 version, the 2003 version, starts to point fingers uh, and, you know, culprits are identified and suspicions and paranoia are run rife. Uh, we'll start with the first episode and the, the 1960 and we are going to run over because it's going to be a double header. So enjoy it. Uh, so... Monsters on Maple Street. Um, yeah, first so thought. I mean, the original is the monsters are due on Maple Street. And then mm. the remake, they took out that due, uh, which kind of makes sense because the point is the monsters are the people, right? Yes. So, you know, in the first one, it's obviously a sort of Red Scare story um, using aliens as the communists. Um, and in the second one, it's... Um, it's uh, terrorism, you know, and so we'll get to the second one in a few minutes. But I mean, this is considered one of the most classic Twilight Zone episodes. And I think, you know, it reminds me we've talked about Twilight Zone writing and how much I admire sort of the conciseness and the proper unveiling of plot and implication. This reminds me of just like classic drama of like 12 angry men it has mm-hmm. that sort of just like good playwriting dialogue to it yeah i, I think the thing is let's say this film because again we, the thing we have to remember about this as well is because it gets in so many cool places it's these are 22 minutes long yeah maybe 25 at a push and this thing sets up characters um very very quickly you know it, it uses some shorthand but does it in a really nice strong way where you know when the, the, these divisions come down, um, you know, you know who you're following, you know where their opinions are coming from, and it's just done really well. So, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I was pulled into this really quickly. I think it's a really well done episode. Um, it feels very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, the, uh, I assume this may be one of the first versions of this story. But this film felt, uh, sorry, this episode felt felt very... They're influential, you know, this yeah. idea of this descent come amongst close groups. So I was thinking of like, um, you know, obviously there's the, there's the remake, but things like uh, The Burbs with the Tom Hanks film, you know, this mm. idea of suburbia, but also a film like, say, The Mist, the Stephen King sort of based on the Stephen King. Any film where you get like a group of people, or a group of disparate people band, you know, stuck together in a situation and the, the situation, you know, the suspicion starts to sort of like you know and paranoia starts to run rife like this episode sort of you know 
I, I wouldn't say it's a cliche. I think it sort of sets up a lot of those things where, mm-hmm. um, that you know, this this has been a very influential episode. So it, it was quite cool to sort of see that. Um, yeah, and it's relatively early, you know, um, you know, to, to see that sort of thing. I mean, it in in that sense, it's sort of like I it borrows from uh, the Arthur Miller play, The Crucible which is uh, 1953 and which uses the Salem witch trials as, uh, you know, an allegory for the Red Scare. Um, So, you know, here it's aliens. And, you know, the funny thing is that because it's the Twilight Zone, we're seeing lots of aliens. And in fact, at the end, it it was. It is. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, you see them in the boarding their flying saucer. Um, So, their beliefs are completely it is completely possible in this universe that this is aliens. Um, but I, I think, you know, it's the unraveling of the community. It's it's the way an idea is seized upon. And, I, you know, I, it's the way you see that idea, just sort of that germ of an idea, like, you know, it's like inception, right? That germ of an idea just grows and develops and mutates and then fingers are pointed and mm-hmm. more fingers are pointed um and i i find myself thinking you know of the madness of crowds and of times that i have you know been in scenario i mean i'm so scared of you know, i've said before that i'm so scared of like concerts you know where it's like you should not be this enthusiastic you know if if the singer comes up and says like all right now we're gonna burn down the you know, target this minority. You guys would just go right away. You know, everything he says you think is brilliant. Um, you know, I just get this fear, you know, and having been in car crashes and situations where, you know, I, I was in a situation where a guy had fallen and his, his head was caved in and there was blood on the ground, but it was at night. And I watched people twice my age go over and say, oh, no, here's a pen. The pen broke and that's that's ink. And I had to dip my hands in it and hold mm-hmm. it up to the light and say, no, look, this is blood. We have to get this dude to a hospital. And I was the only one who, you know, I mean, you're just around people who, you know, you realize you're going to have to, you know, this ability of humans to believe in things because others are believing them, you know. It's also like, say, it's about having that narrative, isn't it? Like, if you can connect the dots for a narrative... And that's the sort of thing. That's where you know this. Both episodes sort of hit this point of. So in the first episode, uh, one guy's uh, his car. No one else's stuff. Every, all the electrics are off, including cars and everything. <clears throat> and um, but his car can start. And, and it, it sort starts of, by itself. It starts by itself. Yeah, and it sort of, it singles him out, and all of a sudden it becomes this narrative of. Well, you know, yes, and he he does do these weird things, and someone else points out that well, yeah, I've seen him outside that night staring at the sky, and so something that you know, if you saw one of your neighbours actually doing, you would go, you know, Occam's razor, all right, they're either into astronomy or, um, you know, like you say can't sleep and probably catching some air, probably out for a smoke or something like that. Whatever doesn't really matter, not my business. But all of a sudden, in this scenario. Yeah, your car is the one that starts on itself, which now singles you out. I now know this piece of information about you, and because I, I because of the situation we're in, I'm going to connect these two things, and I'm going to come up with space avian. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. But that, I love the fact that this keeps happening. Like, you know, the 
the the main guy who's trying to sort of take control of the situation, sort of the pragmatic one, is going like, "Hang on, like this all, none of this makes any sense. Stop being so ridiculous." Um, that he has a ham radio, but he, you know, and you know, he's like, his wife for some reason has been talking about the fact he's he's always down there, and he's like, "Yeah, but it's just a ham radio." It's like, "Yeah, but who are you talking to? Who's talking to you?" Um, and it, 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 again, all of a sudden, it's like I now know this piece of information and this piece of information. In no other circumstances would I put together, but right now I'm drawing a line between them and I'm making this conspiracy theory. And that's how conspiracy theories work. And that's how these sort of like, you know, insane narratives build up where these two events did happen. But in, in, and usually they would not be considered in the same, you know, conversation. But right now I'm drawing a line between them. Um, well, and of course, now we live in the the culture of conspiracy theorists. Yes. You know? Yeah, everything is a damn conspiracy theory. Um, one of the things that I that I really like a, about what you're saying and about the episode is, you know, this way in which if you are asking the question, the question itself has power, right? Mm. Like, I mean, does Joe Biden eat babies? I'm only asking questions, you know. This thing that they do of saying, I'm only asking questions. The question itself has power because the question, the implication is that it drops an idea in someone's head. Right. And this might be true. This is a valid line of inquiry. And then when you start looking for evidence, if you are looking for evidence to confirm something, you will find that evidence. And you well, see t- the other thing as well is you say about evidence Um not finding evidence is sometimes just as good as finding evidence. And that's part of the problem. Right. You know, yeah. absence of evidence becomes evidence. Yes. And, you know, and you see throughout the episode situations in which somebody is confronted by the rest of the group and you think, OK, what what should they say here? And you realize there's no right answer that mm-hmm. anything that they say, just like during the Red Scare, you know, will aggravate the crowd further so if you say like this is ridiculous well how dare you defy congress you know like what are you covering up for what you know we are trying to stop aliens on our block why are you making fun of this this is a serious matter who would make fun of this except for an alien on the other hand if you say you know um yes it's true that i you know i have a ham radio but i use it for this okay well You've confessed to that. Let's see it. Right? Yeah. Let's go the next step further. Uh, now, now, who are you talking to? Right. So there's no right answer. There's no way to shut this down. I mean, this to me, you said that one thing of like, you know, it's that joke, isn't it? Sort of, um, uh, you know, you say something, oh, that's exactly what they want you to think. Or that's exactly <laughs> what, you know, a space alien would say. And it makes me think of like, whenever I hear of this thing, I always think of what they call the ducking stool. Uh, which was a, a tool used to identify witches. It's that thing about we shall hold them under the water for so long. If they drown, then they're not a witch. If they mm-hmm. don't drown, then they are a witch and we can burn them. And you're sort of like, you can't win on this one. Like, <laughs> so it's that, it's that sort of like catch 22. Like, yeah, you no, know, you, you've, you've created this ridiculous narrative in your head. And no matter what happens now, you are still going to try and don't navigate to this conclusion like you've reached the conclusion and you are going to navigate to it no matter how you get there um 
And I kind of like the way this episode does that repeatedly. Like, you know, it'll sort of point at different people. And the guy that does it, I like, again, it's a bit of a trope that I don't think this, I think this film, sorry, this episode may have kickstarted. But it's the loudmouth wearing the loud shirt. Yeah. Um, and, and I like... Gung Ho, who's, you know, a bit of a yeah. hotspur. Yeah, and you you know the thing is, and again, he is repeated in um, by, and I forget the I think I forget the, the actor's name in the two thousand three version, but I, I know him from Bosch and a couple of other things he's been in. But I like him as an actor; he's very good. But he plays that same role as being sort of like, but in that they give him like a um, the the football jacket and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it it feels all too real, doesn't it? The yeah. loudmouth in the group that's like, well, you know. That's what we should be doing. It's it's straight to pulling guns or straight to suspicion or straight to you know pointing at the other. Um, yeah. Well, and we both live in cultures in which this is happening, right? Mm. I mean, you know, um, and 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 has always happened, and and maybe this is true of all cultures, um, but we like to think that we are above it and that we are better. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, anti-Islam, you know, Islamophobia after 9-11 or, you know, I mean, anti-Iranian sentiment. I mean, after the Iranian hostage crisis, um, you know, now there's, you know, again, you know, the other is, you know, Mexicans and, you know, well, and it, now Afghanis who might yeah. you know, come here and invade us, you know, yeah. it, was, it goes back quote. So after Pearl Harbor, there was the anti-Japanese sentiment mm. in America. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you ever get a chance to read George uh, George Takai's memoirs about it? Like, you know, yeah, it's it's it was you know this this instant reaction of, hang on, that's the other. We've got to get everything like it out because it can't be trusted, and that's the that's the, that's the key to this. It's trust, isn't it? Um, and um. Yeah, it, it comes to a sort of the. Uh, I, I like the end result of the first one because it centers on an individual. Um, the fact that like loudmouth, yeah, he brings his shotgun. Nobody else seems to. They sort of like they're all fine. Um, there's a there's a moment when they like the guy says like, "Why have a gun? This is ridiculous." Like you know, he actually sort like, highlights the ludicrousness of the situation, and then when he pulls the gun back, and then there's someone walking down the street. In shadow, and they find the gun. It, it kills this old this old guy, and he then starts to try to defend his position. And everyone's like, "Well, no, you you fired. Like, you're accountable for this. Like, you've got yeah. to face up to this." Um, and and then it's sort of like you know, like I say, but before that, it's the fact there's a moment, like a little mini montage of them blaming everybody. They blame the kid yeah. <laughs> and everything. Like it's just. Well, what's interesting there, and, and this goes back to like Salem, is like Charlie, who shot the, you know, shot uh, Pete Van Horn, who was scouting Floral mm. Street. You never find out if like, I mean, this is maybe a problem. Like you never find out if one street over, <laughs> all the yeah. lights are on, right? Um, you think you would see that. But um, yeah, so Charlie, you know, cornered, you know, um, is, you know, deflects the suspicion onto Tommy is the kid who, you know, uh, well, he raised the alien possibility, which is, you know, from Pulp Fiction, right? You know, yeah. he, you know, so, 
and and that's sort of like okay well now i'm under investigation you've got to name names you've got to you know accuse others to throw the mob off effectively killing you yeah. um and you know here again we see this in not just salem but we see this in you know the red scare you know you've got to name names you know um you know, we see well, it this happened. In... It happened, and that—that's the thing. Because I love his reaction. He's on his doorstep. He's been—he's been hit, and he's got his head bleeding, and people are turning on him. And he says, "No, no, I know who it was. I know who it was. I'll tell you who it was." And everyone stops because they've been throwing stones at him. And he does. He singles out the kid, and and everyone turns on the boy. And it's this thing, like I say, this deflection. I I not so long ago read um, Vincent Price's obviously, you know, we talked about him recently, but Vincent Price's biography. And in that, he talks about working in Hollywood in the, the late 40s and early 50s, and that happened to him. He was brought up because he was relatively liberal. They was accused of being a communist. He was cleared. But he says one of the things that they said to him was, this can go away if you name other people. Right. You know, yeah. and he, he, he risked being blackballed in Hollywood because he was like, well, I don't, I don't know anyone. <laughs> like, Well, and a lot of people were blackballed. I mean, a lot mm. of people lost their careers. Their marriages were destroyed. Their lives were destroyed, um, you know, and all for nothing. You know, mm. in many cases, the, the truth was that somebody, some people were communists, but they weren't plotting to overthrow the government in league with Russia. And some people had been to a meeting, you know, yeah. um, 20 years earlier when it wasn't a big deal. You know, they yeah. were on college and they went to a meeting to find out more and they, you know, got a flyer and never thought about it again. But, you know, now they're on some list as you went to a communist meeting, you know, what in the thirties, you know, when we're going through the great depression, you know? (laughs) Yeah, of course there were some communist meetings, you know, (laughs) capitalism had really failed at that time. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, this, yeah, those dynamics of group madness and, and how you cannot defend yourself, nothing will satisfy the mob. Um, You know, and how there's just snowballs and snowballs and snowballs. And we think we're better than, right? We think we're over this. We're not. And that's sort of the point, right? Yeah. Well, one of the things I find interesting between the two the two episodes, because they, they, I think they modernize it very well. Like I really enjoyed both versions. The first one sort of is very 50s. So they, 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 see, they see a meteorite fire over um, the, the street the neighborhood and it it does end up being aliens like the end is these two aliens are sort of sat there basically sort of like dicking around with stuff on the street and they're like oh, okay we know if we were to invade it would take about four or five hours before a, a street turns on itself like okay and we can i mean the plan the invasion plan sounds terrible because they say they're going to go from one street to the next and like, that sounds like a long you know <laughs> plan but the intent is there and the idea is that you know again you know we tear ourselves apart the start of the redo of the remake, I love the fact that it starts with this sort of um, housing association, you know, what do they call it? Sort of like community together. Homeowners association. Homeowners yeah. association. That's what I was thinking. And it's this idea of they're talking about Christmas decorations. All right, so they're going to go up um, after <laughs> Thanksgiving. They're going to be down by January the 6th. And then, the, you know, the woman whose husband is in the army, sort of like she said, well, can we make everything uniform because it looks so nice? And can we do this? Can we do that? 
And then already, that before anything happens, they're already pointing fingers. They're a judgmental bunch of bastards because they're like, well, some people just couldn't be bothered to make it. And, and then you have this, the, the main couple, I say, going, well, there's a football match. Like, well, our kids are in a football final, in a soccer final, and there's lots of people there. And I love the fact that like the lead guy, who really pisses me off in this, like they, they've cast everyone quite well in this, like the, the guy, the black guy with glasses, he's like, well, my kids are in the final and I'm here. And all I can think is like, well, you're a prick. Like, you know, <laughs> you've wanted to. He's like, but I love the fact that he's like, these meetings are held the third Saturday of every month. And it's, you know, that's the rule. And I like the fact that, like, it's, you know, it's, it's a great display of uniformity, a drive for uniformity and community, but it's all a facade. Mm-hmm. And it falls yeah. apart within five hours. And, I lo- and that to me felt more modern and really sort of hit home on a couple of things. Um, and so, yeah, no, but, you know, that, I like the redo. I thought that, but I thought it was a really good starting point. Yeah, and you know, I agree. I think it, it sort of starts a little slower with that homeowners association mm. meeting. But I also got it and and got what they were doing and liked it. Um, I don't, I don't mind that guy saying like, "No, I'm here." Yeah, decisions are made. You know, show up or don't have a voice. But then they talk about how, like, oh, yeah, nobody's invited the new family, you know. Yeah. Uh, then the implication is that they're ethnic in some way. Um, and, you know, they're a little strange. Um, and nobody's dared, nobody's bothered to to really go up. You know, they're sort of keeping to themselves. They've got a fence up. What about that fence? Um, but, yeah, I think your point is very well made about sort of the artificiality of these communities and how, um, you know, I often lament the death of neighborhoods um, mm. and how, you know, in, in my parents' day, you know, if somebody lost their job, the neighbor showed up and said, oh, I'm so sorry. We're going to insist on doing your laundry. Here's this food. We're going to, you know, we're going to help you out. We're going to give you money, you know. And now that is unthinkable. Nobody yeah. would ever do that, do that. I mean, even bringing food would be like, no, you're putting a spotlight on how that person lost their job. Leave it alone. We wouldn't dare do any of that. And yet we have these associations that decide on, like, how tall a fence can be. You know, cr- what yeah. that can be made of. Uh, that basketball hoop is, you know, one foot too close to the road. And so you're going to have to tear it down. And everybody resents it. And everybody has complaints about their neighbors. And so it is this, as you say, it is this kind of like artificial community, but it's a community that's already rife for with, you know, mm. tension. And that, yeah, there's a tension. And that's a good point, because there's tension clearly in this group uh, from the very get go. Um, and you get the loudmouth again in his football jacket and all this other stuff like, you know, he in, in the characters, again, are very clearly set out. Um, I'd forgotten about some of the sort of early 2000s fashions, and that was quite interesting to go back and see. Lots of sort of like you know high calf boots on women. That was bizarre. Um, but yeah, it was cool. It was I was watching it because again, it has a different. It's not just a remake. They've revamped it and they've set it up in a different way. And one of the things I really liked about this is they gave you another. You know, and this is obviously we say about terror because this is obviously post 9/11. And obviously, you know, the big thing post 9-11 was terrorist cells. Like, you don't know where they are, but there's these cells, and they could be anywhere. Sleeper cells. Sleeper cells. And they talk about, well, why would they come to the Maple Street? Why would they be here? There's a reservoir. And yeah. so, yeah, so they identify that they've got a utility 
you know, reservoir. It sort of feeds most of the town's business, isn't it? All these, all these sort of uh, domestic I, properties. I, I just have to interject that after 9-11, we gave all of this money, not just to New York, but to all of these little towns across America <laughs> that was to stop terrorism in every little town. People think it's like, oh, yeah, this is a legitimate target here, right? Yeah. But that was the point I, I like about that. When they say, well, there's the reservoir, and everyone goes, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that would be a threat. And then you, like you say, you go, but why here? Hmm. What what difference does this town make? Why would they not be targeting like New York or Washington or you know a large city so they can you know like say you know there's a reason not some small suburban town it makes no sense that's not what they see they see that they are being attacked by terrorists um and that's you know then obviously this this house is identified as being the other and you constantly get like justifiable reasons like eventually sort of you know um as to what's gone on in this house and i fully so they've got this fence and when they go knock on, no one answers. And then when they finally do get in, there is an explanation. The guy works nights, and when he's not there, especially as a new, it's a new place. They're not supposed to answer the door to people, so they don't. And you go, all right, fine. That sort of makes sense if you're moving into a new neighbourhood for a bit, like. But they're not. It, it, it's all as we said before. It's a narrative, and it becomes a it becomes a, another nugget in an already established narrative to feed this conclusion. Um. And and so yeah, it's it's interesting how this one sort of plays out because this one as well, the end this sort of it introduces the end of the first one and then sort of like plays that out again because the the loudmouth pulls a gun on the pragmatist kind of lead character, and and you know he says that the, the guy says to him he says well if you shoot me, fine, but when this is over like mm-hmm. you're still accountable for shooting someone in the face. And it is a bit like, right. yeah, all right, you're fine. All right, <laughs> fair point at this point. Um, yeah, and you feel in that moment, like, how much does the, does uh, he believe that this really is happening, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you really believe it and you think this guy, you know, I mean, I'm not saying you should shoot, but I mean, if, on the other hand, there's some doubt, right, like this may resolve itself, and this isn't a sleeper cell, um, and, and I'm going to be held accountable for shooting this guy, right? Yeah. Um, there's got to be some some doubt. Um, I think it's worth reviewing, like, what evidence they have in these two yeah. versions. So in the first one, you have the car, none of the cars start, and then, you know, the power just goes out, and then there's a car that starts by itself and then stops by itself. Mm. And then lights start going on, you know, and in different houses, different in, houses light up a different. Yeah, right. Especially at the end, it's just, you know, a cavalcade mm-hmm. of. And, and so with the end, uh, with the aliens being responsible, the idea is that they have just done this to increase the paranoia and finger pointing. Yeah. So in the second one, um, I think it's remarkably careful. Uh, none of the cars start. No car starts on its own. Um, the first thing that happens that you know isn't in sync with all the power and portable video game being turned off and everything is this family the father comes home to his house with the you know with the um uh fence around it mm-hmm. and 
they're shocked to see a moving car. Now, of course, that car has been outside of Maple Street, right? Yeah. So you, it, it hasn't been hit by the EMP or whatever it is. And then, and then their house lights up. Um, so those are the only things that, um, you know, obviously both point to that family, but those are the only points of evidence and the only departure from the sort of EMP effect. Yeah, the only the only other suggestion of anything that comes from anybody is from I forget her name is the lady whose husband's a captain in the army, mm. and she's the one that keeps like dropping information. She's like, I've heard about EMPs and what they can do. She's the one that identifies that they live next to a reservoir, and now that's the kind of tactical target they want. And so she, she it becomes this idea for me of just enough information to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps fueling this, where she either confirms or instigates an idea that everyone goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. She's almost like, you know, she's like, she, if you were to take today's parlance, she'd be like social media. She just keeps injecting this idea that you can't really justify, but you you know just enough to be stupid. Yeah. You know, like, I'm an anti-vaxxer because, well, no, nothing you've said actually is true, but it sounds scientific. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, COVID is this or whatever. Whatever these things could be, she's, it's that injection of, I've heard about EMPs. I've heard what these do, they do to people. I've heard about what these sleeper cells, I've heard what they do. You know, it's constantly that. And it's just enough information. And it says what this is what it means about information, but not being able to pass out fact from opinion. That sort of thing. Yeah, I, sh- I should say that there's another piece of evidence which is just before the end they start finding these um surveillance devices devices. yeah and 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 they point out that you know this father and this family works with electric an electronics Mm. store so that's the third piece of evidence and then that is just enough to just burn down the house you know kill them all Um, yeah (laughs) yeah i mean this thing that you know you're talking about about like a, a little knowledge and a little piece of evidence you know, it's worth pointing out how high the stakes are. And this yeah. is that, that maybe this is related to that, you know, supposed Hitler quote about the big lie. Right. But, you know, if you convince people that there, you know, there are sleeper cells and your neighbors could be part of a sleeper cell waiting to do another 9-11. Right. Um, we could have one here. It could be, you know, especially after 9-11. You know, I mean, it seems dumb, but I'm 9-11, 9-12. We mm. thought this was going to happen repeatedly. We thought, you know, this was the beginning of a new order. And, you know, it didn't work out that way. But people people really believe that. Um, and if you think that communists are have infiltrated the government and yeah. there's going to be a revolution in America. Um, but, you know, by the same token, if you believe that. Uh, there is a democratic conspiracy to kidnap children. Now, I should point out, kidnappings are at phenomenally low rates. I mean, mm-hmm. you're more likely to be struck by lightning than have a child kidnapped anymore. Um, not that it's not a big deal when it happens, but, you know, this is not an epidemic. But, but uh, you know, if you really believe that children are being kidnapped and having their body fluids, you know, taken and you know they're being eaten i mean yeah let's investigate this let's go into that pizza place uh you know and and find out what's going what's in that basement Mm -hmm. so the stakes are big but of course 
it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, it ends up in the sort of the tragedy. I mean, again, like, you know, they, they make the point to, in this episode of like when he's about to pull the trigger and he says that, you know, when this is over, you're accountable. You've got to face up to what you've done. And as you say, at the end of it, it ends with them attacking the house of the guy who works for the micro, uh, the, you know, whatever the electronic store and burning it down. And who knows how many you don't see. That's where it ends. To be fair, it pans out and you find out that actually this was the American military running a test. And that's that opens up another bunch of questions for me. But like you say, like when this is all simmers down the next day. They um, they killed a family. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like and it's, it's, it comes down. Th- th- this thing comes down to. You know, you could see a follow-up to this. There'd be a series of like, oh, what's the court case where they all start blaming each other? So they, mm-hmm. well, so and so did this, and then we called this. Well, no, the fact of the matter is, you were a mob, and that's the problem. <laughs> you know, um, and so, but yeah, you then know, you the, go to the judge and say, "I was just following Donald Trump's orders." Yeah. You know, I just yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, everybody turns on everybody. This community's never going to be the same again, right? I mean, nope. these. What's going to happen to these kids? They've witnessed a family being murdered. Well, the first one to attack the house is the kid. Yeah. He takes his hockey stick and he's when it breaks the window to let his dad throw the gasoline tank in. Then somebody throws a Molotov cocktail in. So, like, I quite like know. that. That it was the kid who sort of yes instigates it. Um, but you know, I, I love that this is where you know there's a future of this where a, a news reporter finds out this truth and leaks this or prints this whole thing that this was actually a military exercise and it's <laughs> destroyed this family and this whole community. I mean, the fact was in who's culpable, you know. But to be fair, the military didn't do anything other than turn the power off, um, and so the events played out. But yeah, it's it's a fascinating pair of episodes. It really is, um, and. You know, really just sort of get into a whole bunch of stuff. And it felt, as I say, really prescient for what we're going through at the moment. This idea of misinformation and, you know, just enough information. Um, it, it always makes me think of the quote from Men in Black where uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character says, you know, a person is sensible. A person can be reasoned with. People are stupid. People are panicky. <laughs> you know, and that's that's sort of the, the idea. So, um yeah, no, these are a cracking pair of episodes. Any final thoughts before we move on? Well, I mean, I keep thinking about how both episodes have one person who's a stand-in for, you know, uh, sense, common mm-hmm. sense. And, you know, the real test, especially, I mean, I think in some ways the, the remake is better structurally. And I think the you know, the military thing works really well. Um Although, yeah, I mean, you know, you're running psyops, you know, on your own people. But, um, well, yeah, MK I mean, Ultra, it happened, you know. No, sure. Right. But, I mean, you know, we need these people to stand up and say, this is not okay. And, and even in this episode, this remake, even his wife turns against him. And again, Eventually, it's the, yeah. you know, turn, turn goes with the mob. And again, says, I mean, she keeps repeating, like, it's them or us. You know, like better them than us. Mm. We've got to deflect the suspicion. But, you know, every you know, the only thing that stops this is people standing up and saying, you know, this is not the way we do things. Yeah. Um, and that is obviously something we're struggling to do today. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we need that. And 
um, I'm, I'm reminded of how we think that we're able to do that, but take away people's power for a few hours. I mean, if you've ever been in like a blackout that lasts longer than 24 hours, there is like a sense of anything could happen now. <laughs> like civilization is coming unglued and I'm going to the grocery store. There, I'm, the chance of a fight or somebody getting killed here is well, you know, is 30%. The, just think of the panic buying when everyone was buying the bottled water or the toilet paper and all this other stuff. Fights did break out. People fighting in car parks and shopping aisles. Fights did break out. So, you know, we're not that far away from this. We, we have this this sort of like, fa- you know, fallacy of civilization where we're like, no, we're all above this. You take away or you add an element of tension or paranoia or panic and it fades pretty quick. So, yeah. But this has been a doozy. Like we've done, we've gone long on this one, and I don't think that's a bad thing because I think it's a, it's a double header and it was a great, great episode to talk about. So, we should leave it there though, and we shall continue our track. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much uh, for listening, and we shall talk to you on the next episode. Thank you.